Hey, this is Zach Catanzaro. And I'm Walker Lukens. We're the hosts of Song Confessional, the only podcast where today's top songwriters turn your anonymous stories into original songs. This week, we've got a salacious tale of train platforms and anonymous hookups. Austin songstress Buffalo Hunt transforms the confession into a cinematic indie pop gem, exploring the dark pleasures of our bad decisions. Listen to Song Confessional at KUTX.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on This Song, we're going to hear first from an individual artist, Townwin, and then from all the members of the Austin band, Boohoo, which means that we have a lot of music to get into, so let's get started right away. First, Townwin. She fronts the band Tao and the Get Down Stay Down, and they have a new record out called A Man Alive. And though the subject matter is heavy, the songs on the record deal with the relationship Tao has with her estranged father. The music, it's very upbeat. You can hear hip-hop influence in the bass and drums, and most of these songs, they make you want to move. They make you want to dance. And if you listen to KUTX, you know that we are big fans of this record. We play it. A lot. And we liked it so much that we had Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down play our early morning South by Southwest Four Seasons show, and they killed it. And she also came in and did a My KUTX guest DJ set during South by Southwest. Afterwards, she sat down with Art Levy to talk about a song and an artist that showed her the power of the good hurt. So here she is, Tao Nguyen. The song that changed my life um, was Drunken Angel by Lucinda Williams. The sun came up, it was another day, and the sun went down, you were blown away. Why'd you let go of your guitar? Why'd you ever let it go, that far drunken angel? And I think it changed my life because it was the first song that made me uh, want to pursue songwriting in a more serious fashion and I wanted <laughs> and I wanted to be her and I wanted to be able to capture pain the way she can and to make it uh, I've always called it the good hurt Drunken angel You're on the other side Drunken angel You're on the other side has this incredible way of embodying and capturing and conveying the good hurt and it's the kind of it's the kind of thing you when you're sad you put on to be sadder <laughs> and and but it's you know it's the thing that you need kiss your brow taste your sweat write about your soul your guts criticize you and wish you love drunk remember how or where you were when you first heard it or how old you were I was 19 when I first heard that song and I was uh, driving to college 
or it, or it might have been late high school. Um, but I had I bought the record because I'd heard that it was an amazing record, and, and I don't remember if I'd heard anything on it yet. But that one came on, and um, and it reminded me of this guy that uh, I loved that was always drunk. <laughs> that's, that's a vivid memory. Followers would cling to you, hang around just to meet you. Sun through roses at your feet, and watch you pass out on the street, drunk an angel. And that was when I was getting into, you know, the sort of more outlaw country and and the myths about Towns Van Zandt and also, um, um, what's that, uh, Foley. Uh, oh, Blaze Foley. Blaze Foley, which actually the song is, right? The song Drunken Angel is, I think, referencing Blaze Foley. I think so, yeah. yeah. Almost felt you touching me just now. Wish I knew which way to turn and go. Feel so good, then I feel so bad. Wonder what I. Um, so I was just enamored of that entire scene and the the romance of it. Clearly, the <laughs> it's sort of the traumatic romance of it all. How did you? Because that record had been out for a little while. How do you? How did you find out about it? You know, I I do not know. I um, I think it was ah, I remember. Because uh, it was late high school and early co- college that I started getting into, I was reading No Depression, which was uh, an alt country magazine um, that was in print. And then now I, I don't believe. I think it's just online. Yeah, now. it's online now. And um, and I was just getting so interested and immersed in that scene. Um, and, you know, Lucinda Williams is sort of the... You know, the what, a paragon of of um, I don't I don't particularly I don't know if all country is what she is but you know of of that ilk and um, and I I was so impressed with how much attention she paid to her lyrics and how simply it was done in her economy with words and just all of the emotion that could be conveyed um, using just the right amount. I don't want you anymore Cause you took my joy I don't want you anymore You took my joy You took my joy I want it back You took my joy I want it back I'm gonna go to West Memphis And look for my joy Go to West Memphis And look for my joy Maybe in West Memphis I'll find my joy Maybe in West Memphis I'll find my joy I'm gonna go to Slidale And look for my joy so you kind of you were first drawn to the words of her songwriting. I was drawn to um, well, I for me uh, the the delivery of the lyrics and the melody within which they're delivered are so important in a song because you can't because it, it all has to do with their impact and yeah, I th- I think I was drawn 
equally at the same time by both. And uh, I and well, to be to be. Let's see. The most uh, it was also her voice. You know, that's kind of a the what an incredible triple threat. You know, that voice and and the lyrics and um, the melody and that the songs are written in. I remember reading that, uh, you know, she's why I bought a Gibson J45 to play. And I appreciated that in, in an interview that I came across, she said, you know, I've learned what my strengths and my weaknesses are. And I've accepted that. And I, and I know when to use either. And um, I, she said something along those lines. And also, she's like, I, you know, I've been playing guitar 30 years and and I don't play bar chords so she does things kind of her own way like she does she's yeah she has that vibe of better too mm-hmm. and uh, that's very inspiring and I I was just remembering that I I, I met her because uh, we played um, hardly strictly bluegrass and we were on the same stage and I just hung around after and I I almost you know I I, I didn't want to meet her because I didn't think I would have anything to say and I because uh, I am such a huge fan I just knew that I would be such an idiot and but it was that feeling of if I don't do this and it doesn't happen often to me where I think if I don't do this I will regret not doing it and I think when you feel that way you should go for it but I just made sort of concentric circles around her for a long time and I think her tour manager finally well, she, a lot of people were coming up to her, and then I, I finally got the nerve to go say hi, and I just said, you're, you know, I said, hi, <laughs> I don't even know what I said, and this is like this, I was stammering, and I said, uh, we just finished playing, you know, we played the same stage as you, and uh, you're the, you're one of the reasons I play music, and so thank you so much, um, but I did that in a in a much more nervous way and I didn't introduce myself I didn't say anything I just and I think I shook her hand I'm not sure I don't know I think I blacked out actually um but I know that it happened and I I you know I didn't take a picture I thought that was too much I couldn't ask for that so um anyway she was awesome super sweet <laughs> and uh and it's a- blood spilled out from the hole in your heart over the strings of your guitar the worn down places in the wood the ones that made you feel so good I don't know how to describe I you know I guess the the way you know your favorite song is that there are just so many things to say about it and then also no way to to verbalize. Um, it's impact on you, but it just is, it kind of, it's one of those songs that comes on and I, um, again, I, I, you kind of stop, you exist on another plane with it and, um, and it's always been that way. And I also, I think of, 
that guy in college who had that drinking problem that I adored. And uh, and I remember, I always think of him showing up at um, where I lived, the house that I lived in, with a six-pack in each hand so he couldn't knock. So he would just almost kick down the door so that you would come get the door and, uh, because he was... Obviously, he's occupied with the beer. Man, that's a song right there. Right? (laughs) (laughs) You don't look for me, but I will look for you without a wish to see anybody new. You don't look for me, how I will look for you without a wish to see anybody new. Astonished Man by Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down, and that same thing that Tao digs about Lucinda's voice, the fact that it makes you feel the good hurt. Well, I hear that in Tao's voice, too, kind of an unfiltered cry of pain and sadness and beauty all mixed together. It's a kind of intensity that we all need sometimes. And I'm glad I'm not the only one who gets all verklempt when I meet my idols. I mean... I feel like I'm either all giggly schoolgirl or I just get like silent, but I am rarely cool when I meet people I deeply admire. Before I go on, I want to take a moment to ask that if you liked the story you just heard from Townwin about a song that changed your life, then please head on over to iTunes and become a subscriber to this song. That way you'll get next week's episode with John Doe and Jeff Klein of My Jerusalem delivered right to you, and you could even scroll through our archives and hear about life-changing songs from folks like Leon Bridges or M. Ward or Kevin Parker or the Johns from They Might Be Giants. There's a lot of good stuff there. And while you're there, we would love a rating or a review. Next up, Juan Mendez Barjao, Clellan Hyatt, and Jeremy Rogers, all from the Austin band Boohoo. They have a new record out called Relation Shapes, and it too will make you want to dance. And they came into KTX to do a Studio 1A session. Afterwards, they sat down with me as a band to talk about life-changing musical experience, and I'm such a fan of the full band interview. You really get a sense of what it takes to make a band. Just so you know, you're going to hear from Juan first, then from Clellan, and then Jeremy. So here they are. Boohoo. I was actually thinking of the moments where I had some really nice headphones or earbuds that was actually able to listen to other stuff that I'd never listened to before and songs that I've been listening to all my life. And I I remember playing like a Michael Jackson song. Or Nirvana. I'm so happy cause today found my friends are in my head. I'm so ugly. That's okay, cause so are you. Something I that I'd heard a lot and listening through the headphones was just like 
opening up a lot of things. Like actually, I, I was list. I can understand what Kurt Cobain was saying for the first time. <laughs> like, oh, I can actually understand the lyrics through these headphones. the first time when you had that realization like were you a teenager and someone handed mm. you like a big set of like headphones that actually went over your ears or something yeah. and you like heard a song and then you went like I didn't even know that part was there yeah. like yeah, there was two moments uh one when I got my first like studio headphones and I was I was studying sound design in Barcelona and I I just put them on and like yeah I heard stuff I never heard, and then here in the convention center, I heard I I uh, tried out some um, in-ear monitors with mm -hmm. five drivers, like that's the biggest thing you can get. And I remember listening to Snoop Dogg, and just <laughs> like listening to the bass and the the lyrics and everything was like coming through perfectly. I gotta get one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Did you end up getting them? No, not yet. I don't know. Lay back. So so you um, you are an electronic musician and you create like beats and you use synths, which is yeah. which is typically a very like constructed part oriented endeavor. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think uh, that hearing music in that way kind of led you down that road in like down that yeah. path? I mean, I studied like I started when I was four years old, like violin, piano, and then I a teenager I played guitar, bass and played like jazz and rock and all these kinds of stuff. But then I was more interested in sound and then also getting into audiovisuals because I studied communication and specialized in film. So I did a lot of sound for films and music for films. So it just opened up like, oh, it's just all sound. But when you put it together in a in a harmonious way, it's music. Or yeah. if, it's, it's, if it has an emotion to it, it's music. So so hearing it like through really high quality, either speakers or headphones allowed mm -hmm. you to kind of understand it, not as like kind of break it down into this very basic component part of like at its very basis, it's all sound. And then yeah. somehow you put it together to make music, which creates an emotional experience, mm -hmm. um, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Like I still don't understand. <laughs> we talked about this, like Nels Klein came in and he talked about sound okay. and like the, this idea that just like sound waves moving through air at a certain frequency, like mm -hmm. waves moving through air at a frequency can just totally provoke such like deep responses in people is, yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, it's in our basic nature. It's like deep within us. We all understand like the pentatonic scale. And if you play that anywhere in the world, people will know how it, how it sounds. Yeah. They, they'll, they'll expect the next note or they'll they'll know what's coming and that's also part of music like being like feeling um uh feeling a sense of communion 
with that other person or sharing like when you're sharing music you oh I can relate to that yeah. I can relate to that emotion it's I mean to me it's like the most basic form of communication probably <laughs> like we probably musicked before we did we before we talked yeah I think uh-huh. yeah um yeah. well that's awesome well thank you very much yeah thank you My first, what made me really want to play drums was being in fourth grade, sitting in the back of my mom's Dodge Shadow, listening to a portable tape player of Nirvana's In Utero, and hearing Dave Grohl on that record, and specifically the song, Frances Farmer Will Have Her Revenge on Seattle. Yes, I'm That pretty much made me want to play music and wanted to try and rock as hard as Dave Grohl. And wow. Most of them. Yeah. I've yeah. never heard that Nirvana song, I have to say. Like, Check it out. That's some inside Nirvana <laughs> stuff right there. Well, what was it about that song in particular? Like, that kind of... I don't know. I didn't know anything about music. Still really don't know much, uh, but they just spoke to me and moved me in a way that I knew that that was cool music and I'd like to play music like that. Was it, was it just then that you got to start playing drums or was there a little bit of a lag? It was definitely, it's stretched until seventh grade until I actually touched a drum set. So you had this fire within you for three years? More cowbell, you know. There's only one <laughs> one cure for that fire. But it was, and then I didn't even get a cowbell till I was in college. So, <laughs> long time. Well, you know, you're not the first drummer to actually talk about Dave's Dave Grohl's drumming. Um, and I'm really interested to know, like, what it is about Dave Grohl's drumming because, obviously, like, I've heard Nirvana, mm-hmm. and I'm not a drummer, so. You drummers listen to music backwards. You listen to like the drums first and then everything, um, lyrics last. It's crazy. But like, but I mean, and I've listened to Dave's girls, Dave girls drumming, but because I'm not a drummer, I don't think I understand like the power of it. You know what I mean? Like, is there a way that you can describe like, like his drumming as opposed to other drumming? I think it's perfectly placed power that catches you in a way that you don't really necessarily notice the drums, but you know that it moves you and moves the song in a perfect way. This is not the the best drummer in the world or the most technical, but he does play with such perfectly placed hits that, you know, may not need a lot of hits, but he, 
you know, plays that perfect fill and yeah. He's not a flashy drummer. Oh, he's a flashy any... drummer, but he is, it's just all about the placement. The, yeah. Yeah. Inlay, right. if as my dad would say it, it's, it's all how you inlay it. <laughs> is your dad a woodworker? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> finally got your drum set and you sat down were you like were you ready horrible. were you were you horrible, horrible. okay yeah. and Good. it wasn't until pretty much end of high school that they told me to or asked me like asked me to not stop playing i guess you know they would when you're first playing i guess they you know always ask you just don't hey no more man no more <laughs> when they stopped asking me to stop was when I knew that I was getting decent. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm really glad that these two went first because it really helped me sort of figure out my song, which is also not a song. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, the very first moment that really changed my life for music was, I, I'm from a little town in Wisconsin called Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And it's a town where Justin Vernon is from, from Bon Iver. Well, I met you at the blood bank. We were looking at the bags. Wondering if any other color matched any other names we knew on the tag. I'm still very connected to like that town, that scene, and that's the town that kind of gave birth to me. And there's this band I saw, I think I was 17 years old. I was just walked into a cafe, a friend of mine who was way cooler than I was, just invited me to come to this cafe for this dude's birthday party. And this band was playing, and they were called Amateur Love. Accidents that rock my brain Still figure in my everyday Hear me, oh, this joke is hot. Will I please myself when you are gone and I miss you? They made me want to become a musician and play music. I already had been tooling around on guitar and it was fun. I was just sitting there hitting, you know, one notes to like Bush or whatever, you know, like Blink 182 or whatever crap I was listening to at that time in my life. You know, so this was 17. like 1995. Like 19... no, no, I'm 31, so this was probably 2000. All the small things true care truth brings And this band, they were just art pop to the max. It was one guitar and this whole wall of really intricate, awesome synths, and incredible bass and drums with a like a you know a little drum machine, an old Roland from that time, and it had like the pre-recorded chintzy sounds on it, and it was super. It was I've never seen anything or heard anything like it, and the performance was so strong, and it's I can only akin it to like you know falling in love you know and i've never had that experience it's weird as i've gotten older i've only had that experience with bands like two or three times in my entire career as a musician or not a musician at all and it's not enough you know I, it, it's not enough just to be good anymore you know you have to be special Next 
for me and that's that's what made me like I wanted to be special you know like I wanted to have that you know and I wanted to like work as hard as I possibly could to to like you know be close to them and I went to all their shows and I was 18 underage to the bars and I got in to sell their merch and that's the only way I could be there and I would sit there and sell merch for them and I followed them to the end and I started traveling you know to learn more about the world so I could learn more about music and I slowly like made no money but I slowly accrued pedals and you know a will to play and to a will to try and make art and it was my art was I always, I still think my art is terrible but like <laughs> I it's good I, and and it's it's just it's it's been the most magical thing in the world for me you know trying to like I think about them all the time every time I play They still hold that, like, you're mm -hmm. still deeply in love with this I still band. am. I still have the first T-shirt, you know, that they sold. Yeah. I mean, and I know all these guys, too. If they heard me talk like this about them, we would, they'd make fun of me forever. Have you, you ever, know? did you ever say to them, like, you guys, like, you guys in are basically words, the reason I play music? In some words, actually, yeah, my fiance and I went up to the Eau Claire Festival that happened that Justin threw, mm -hmm. and we had, like, you know, the whole VIP treatment because I we got engaged up at that festival and they just, everyone knew but her. So, um, they had us all backstage for everything going on. And, um, I got to see Josh, the lead singer of amateur love. I just, you know, had to tell him, you know, like, dude, you're everything you've done. It's just been, I'm so proud of you, you know, and you, it, what you've done is so special. And I, I didn't tell him that it was, why it was so special. I just told him it was special because I hope someone could say that to me someday. I mean, that's a totally powerful experience to have. And it wasn't like you weren't listening to music before, like, because you oh, yeah. were listening to Bush mm. or, <laughs> what a, or whatever. Definitely like, don't listen to Bush anymore. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, um, you had... It's interesting that you had never really been touched like that way. Do you think the fact that it was a live band? That I don't you know. I mean, I was, I mean, when I was like in sixth grade, you know, I heard Nine Inch Nails for the first time and I just, it blew my mind. I was in my room just like fist pumping in the air, you know, to Nine Inch Nails. And I've fallen in love with so many bands, but 
there's something special about like finding a band and being there on the ground floor for them, you know, mm -hmm. and it's happened to me a couple times. I've been very lucky, you know, and being there on that ground floor and knowing that it's the thing. And I, I've been so blessed to fall in love a few times in my life with bands like that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy because it's, for me to really love music, you have to love everything about it. You know, the art, the people, the business, the, the part where you sit down and you're learning to play an instrument for the first time, you know, like I, I had never really, this guy right here, JP, he taught me how to play like synthesizers in ways that I never even could even imagine, you know, like just yeah. turning a knob, you know, how much it completely has changed, you know, my entire outlook on how to make art, you know, and Cullen's style is so unique just because he listens, he grew up listening to what he listens to. And it's crazy because I have no affinity for the kind of music that he was touched by at that time or even the drummers. But like his style has totally come through and inspired something so great in me. And I just realized, you know, like it's that's what it's all about, you know, is creating that experience, that hole that you have to love. And you have to love it so hard that you hope that other people can share that love so that hopefully maybe they can feel that way I felt about those bands. Daytona Beach from Boohoo, and there is so much I enjoyed about that interview. First off, I love that Juan chose, like, good headphones. No one's ever done anything like that, but it's so true. Really being able to hear music makes a huge difference. And I felt like we got a really good picture of what makes up a band. I mean, so often we hear from front people in this podcast, the people who write the songs and sing them, but... A band is about so much more than just the songs and the singing. You have to have someone who cares about and can execute synth parts or who cares about the perfectly placed rhythm. And then you have to have someone who cares about the songwriting and the art. Everyone doesn't have to do everything. Everyone does a part of everything. And when you put it together, voila, you have a band. I'll post a link to Boohoo's live studio in a session, as well as to the Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down's View House video of Nobody Dies from South by Southwest. I'll also post a link to Tao's My KUTX guest DJ session. And that's it. We have come to the end of another episode of this song. This song is a production of KUTX 98.9, this episode was produced and edited by David Sanger and me, Elizabeth McQueen. The Tao Nguyen interview was recorded by Art Levy, and the Boohoo interview was recorded by Cliff Hargrove. Antoinette Masando is our social media guru. Thanks to Peter Babb and Deidre Gott for all their help on this podcast. And yes, our theme song is Mahout by Austin's own excellent hardproof Afrobeat. You can email us at thissong at kutx.org or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. Our handle is at thissongkutx. 
You can follow us on Facebook and you can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, Liner Notes, Song of the Day, and the Austin Music Minute on iTunes. And like I said, we'd love a rating or a review. Right on. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained Live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.